You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. What's going on, Cranky? Grump, I have all the uh, energy of Al Michaels doing a Thursday night game tonight. I am very tired, but uh, we are in a playoff run, and I will get the energy to soldier through because... Does that make me Collinsworth? That makes you Kerb Herbstreet. I don't know if that's better. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, and here I am being the curmudgeon. That's that's your role as Al Michaels. You're supposed to, every time that we have to stop what we're doing and go on a sidebar, you have to yeah. pitch, a, pitch well, a fit and, and talk about how badly it's time for us all to go home and call the game. Well, you know, those points may mean more to a lot of people out there. That, uh, so... <laughs> um, so we, you know, we just kind of did our bye week assessment thing, and we kind of looked at the season, the new regime, you know, where, where and where this this rebuild is is going, <clears throat> and uh, you know, the plan was to do this episode as kind of a uh, Houston Texans preview, and we're gonna do that, but like a lot more happened developed since Monday that was kind of like roster heavy and that sort of thing. This we set up for the second half of the year here, um, and there are no perfect halves anymore, which. People who have OCD like me will, you know, hate that. Um, but, you know, the Giants taking on Houston Texans this Sunday at home. They return to MetLife after their, you know, we, we chronicled their travel. The last three games has been all over the fucking map. Um, or four games, right? They went London, home, uh, Florida? Jacksonville, Seattle. Jacksonville. And then, yeah, and then Seattle. So three games, yeah. Um, finally home. And I think they're home two games in a row, right? Houston and then Detroit. Back-to-back yeah. 1 o'clock games on Sunday, yes. Um, and the bye week is normally when you start getting healthier. The Giants found a way to sort of do that but also get worse. Starting safety, Xavier McKinney broke multiple fingers in his hand, ATV accident. We talked about that a little bit, but since that episode came out, he had a pretty nasty interview. Um, did you see that? We didn't I talk did about not. this at all. No. Oh, he... he, he um, Multiple reporters were kind of trying to find out if he was driving or riding on the tour when he got hurt, and he hedged. He would not say and just kept reiterating, but like in a feisty way. It's pretty. It's pretty spicy. Um, the, he just reiterated that it was a guided tour. It's a guided tour. You don't need to understand. It's a guided tour. That's all you well, need to he, know. If I was him, I'd say as little as possible. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, look, I'm going to say this be, up front. There could be a lot of money involved, you know, and if it turns out he was in violation of, you know, the contract, that could affect money. It doesn't matter. This, so this is my point. People are like, they're like really pissed off and what, like there's certain people that are pissed off, whatever. I've seen it around. Whether he's a driver or passenger is a, both are a violation of the contract. It doesn't matter. Any yeah, injury but, that happens, it, but it, to yeah. me, it doesn't matter. It, he, it's a tour, so he cle- he was not like just getting ATVs with his friend and crashing them into each other. He was on a tour, so to me, I don't give a shit. Either way, he signed up for a risk, and he took that right. risk that he knew, and he screwed up. 
He was not being a complete clown, like I said, in the backyard doing wheelies and, and like doing circles in the mud with friends and crashing into shit. He was on a tour. He knew that risk when he signed up for it. And it doesn't matter if he was a driver or passenger to me. Either well, way. Well, gotta be – I mean I, I'm sure he had somebody tell him just don't talk. And, probably. I'm just saying yeah. for, for the people who are trying so hard to figure it out, who fucking cares? Either way, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Well, you know, you know, as I know, especially in a media market like New York, where these things become much bigger stories than they need bigger to be. than life itself. They dude. do. And it's, you know, it happens with every team up here for every sport and not even just sport. I mean, a scandal to a local politician up here is a much bigger deal than a scandal for a politician in Kansas City or something. You know, there's always and then once it gets that kind of uh, critical mass and it just becomes a bigger and bigger thing. So. That's what these guys do. I mean, they're looking for an angle and they're looking to get a story. And the media thinks they are the story too too often. And they like to get people in that confrontational mode. They love to get that soundbite. They like to be the one attributed to that soundbite. So, you know, if you get off on that type of, you know, gotcha journalism and that type of, uh, you know, salacious stuff, well, more power to you. But, you know. I could see where someone in his position who obviously either doesn't want to talk about it or can't talk about it gets annoyed. So, I don't yeah, know. I don't, I don't, I don't. That's what, that's basically like what I'm said, saying. I, is I, I don't care, care so about much. his interview. I didn't even watch the, the press, the interview. <laughs> he's not playing, so I don't care. Whatever. Exactly. He's yeah. he's gone for at least four weeks confirmed on the NFI list, but multiple broken fingers. He'll be gone for more than four weeks, I would think. But I will say one thing though: that uh, everybody's so quick to. You know, punish him, punish him, cut him. This, he's still Xavier McKinney, mm-hmm. and you know something. This will pass. And to me, this isn't a fireable offense. You know, we're trying to make this. We're trying to do a rebuild for this team, and he's one of the best players on this team. And it's not that we're saying we're giving him a, you know, papal blessing or anything, but it's also like it's his, kind of his first fuck up either. Like you know what I mean? Like people make mistakes and they learn from them. Hopefully. So right. it's not like he has a track record of making mistakes and not learning from them. So right. he made a mistake. It is what it is. We live in this reality now. And right. uh, if he continues to fuck up, we will have that conversation again. I, I, you know what I'm mm-hmm. – I don't know. Whatever. I, it just is what it is. People take football way too seriously. Anyway, the main takeaway here now – <laughs> Yeah, exactly, right? Um, the main takeaway here is that we have a change in signal callers as we would need on defenses. He is the main signal caller for the defense. That is now passed to Julian Love. Um, we talked a bit about Logan Ryan in the last episode and how quick they were to just sever ties with him before even seeing him play or practice or do anything. Um, do you think they basically already have the, the Logan Ryan guy in Julian Love the way he's stepped up the last couple weeks? Well, that was one of the guys they were talking about in the, the bye week of we, we start contract negotiations with him now for extensions and things. And I'm wondering for this is an opportunity for him to give him more bargaining, you know, chips if they are going to go in for an extension, because now he's becoming the, you know, the signal caller. He has more responsibility. You know, uh, yeah, I think they think he's, you know, a solid foundation for the future of this franchise. Yeah, he's not ever going to be what McKinney is in this defense. You know, I, I would be really surprised. I know he's taking the play calling duties on defense, whatever. He's getting everyone lined up, but I'd be really, really shocked if he played deep safety. 
He doesn't yeah. have the speed. He doesn't have mm-hmm. it. It's, it's the whole reason why he converted to safety from corner. He didn't have the speed. And that's fine. Yeah, It's I mean, fine. He, yeah. he is more of that utility interior DB, the way that Logan Ryan was. You know what I mean? Like, he'll pick up the tight end in the slot. He'll take the slot guy. You know, he'll run down and play good run defense. He'll seal edges, come in on blitzes real well. But to ask him to cover the entire field left and right is something he just is not capable of doing at the NFL level. So, um. But he does have a serious place. I mean, it's kind of, you know, Triple Peppers was kind of that guy a little bit too. And he filled in for Peppers when Peppers got hurt last year and did a pretty solid job. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I, w- I would have liked to see Julian Love get extended. They, that I guess the window for that to happen mid-season closed this week or something. I don't know. Or is it something that was like a team-imposed, you know, we're if we're going to do anything, it's during a non-football week. And then Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember. I don't know. Um, but Julian Love showing his value uh, even more, I would say. You know, his his ability to plug and play for for different players who are out and have a, a crucial role when we need as many DBs as possible has already been shown. His ability to line up the defense, get everyone set, read the offense, etc. Um, that'll be put to the test on Sunday. So uh, I don't know. How do you feel about it? you feel okay with him? Yeah, with him doing in that situation. Well, I mean, uh, honestly, who's left? I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, really, I, <laughs> it, 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 it comes down to that. It's like, what are the what are the options? And we got a bunch of young guys and guys that you know. So you feel bad about it? <laughs> no, I mean, it's kind of him or or else. So. Yeah, you're not wrong. I'm. I. I I feel okay about Julian Love and his intellect and his ability to lead. I think I'm okay with that. Um, yeah. It'll be put to the test. And you know what? I like it for this. This is a good matchup for him to get his feet wet with that. Mm-hmm. Um, Houston sucks. You know, it's just is what it is this year as they deal with having to move on from <laughs> the the wildfire that Bill O'Brien spread all over that organization for a couple of years. <laughs> And uh, left for Deshaun Watson to m- mop up the rest. Um, oof, that was that was that did not mean it like that. Ugh. That's disgusting. Um, other interesting note relating back to our last episode, Blake Martinez is another one that we mentioned as one that we cut so close to the start of the season, leaving a big void at linebacker. Uh, definitely confused a lot of people. Has retired this week today, Thursday. Um. Played Sunday, too, so it's not like he's been sitting around waiting for his number to be called and just hung it up. He played, made tackles, did stuff, started, um, and is now done. I guess just a passion issue? I mean, my first thought when I saw that this evening was general managers, coaches, football people, insiders know a lot more than we do, especially when a guy is you know, in camp, and they see him every day. They know what's going on. So, you know, what seems shocking to the outside of them just you know, cutting them, there probably is a reason behind it. And this might be that manifestation of that. Maybe he just, you to your point, wasn't showing that fire and passion anymore. And, you know, he just said, I'm done. I mean, that's conjecture on my part. But it, it, it makes all of a sudden just a random we're cutting him for no reason doesn't seem as mysterious and you know why is this coaching staff doing that because there must have been a reason and i would not be shocked if that ties into this 
what's interesting to me about like saying a lack of passion is that he's trying to work his way where he was had worked his way back from a one-year acl injury and that mm-hmm. is that takes dedication man i mean that's you have to know that every single day the very little that you can do is building towards something I and mean, that is a work that is a 24 hour that and that means knowing when to stop and go to bed and, yeah. and when you when you don't want to and it doesn't feel like it hurts it's a very very long arduous frustrating process that he worked his way through to just give up i actually wonder if his knee is just bothering him and he's just done it, that could be i mean i'm gonna i had you know, surgery back in August for my, my rotator cuff. And I can, you know, do this now, but you know, for the limited amount of physical therapy I did every day, you know, nothing compared to what, you know, a pro athlete has to do to get back into game condition. There were mornings. I was like, I don't want to do this. Like, ah, screw it. I'll do it tomorrow. So, you know, it takes that dedication to get back and you're right. You know, and I, and I still have like a sore shoulder. I can't do all the things I used to. And I'm not trying to play, you're not trying to tackle an NFL people. game. You know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to. I'm not getting hit by other players. I'm not, you know, going through that, you know, exhausting physical and mental strain it is to be a world class athlete. And you're right. It, it might be something where he, you know, his goal was to get back. He got back, and he just can't do it. He doesn't have the physically or mentally. It's just over it. So, you know. He's a young guy. He has the rest of his life. He made a lot of money. And He's only good 28. Yeah. I mean, that'd yeah. be nice if, you know. I do wonder if he'll come back. He'll... years ago, I was out done and be able to retire. But, you know. <laughs> These yeah. days, guys coming out of retirement, I do wonder if he'll come back in like two years. If it is just like a knee thing. Because he is young. And this is could be an impulsive decision on his part. I could see I could see somebody calling him in training camp two years. I don't know. Then you're 30. Well, I, I don't you're know. You're gone. It's kind of like, you know, not the same circumstance, obviously, but like, well, how come no one's called Colin Kaepernick? Like, well, he hasn't played for three years. He hasn't played for four years. It's Kaepernick, it's been like, what, eight years? <laughs> how right, long right. has it been? And you're not hearing those calls anymore, but there was a time like three years yeah. down the line. It's like, how come no one's calling it? It's like, well, he hasn't played in three years in the league. Yeah. You know, you get older. And if you're not in game shape, game ready shape, you're not going to be the same as you were. So I, I I think it's, I would not be shocked to your point that somebody calls him in training camp and he, you know, tries to latch on somewhere again. But I, I think that that window is very small. If he was 25, yeah. one thing. Yeah, you're pushing right. 30. Doubt it. Uh, all right. So, what do you want to do? Do you like do you like good news right now, or is this are we still bad news? Al Michaels, right now. Uh, let's go bad news and get it out of the way. All right, bad news, Al Michaels. Um, <laughs> defensive tackle Nick Williams was moved to IR for his biceps injury. Uh, Brian Dable confirmed that he is done for the year. To replace him, they signed defensive tackle Aaron Crawford, but then immediately released him and signed safety instead. Um, <laughs> so. That hole at defensive tackle is, is actually a big one. Nick Williams was playing really well. He was giving, allowing guys like Leonard Williams to come back from their injury, uh, mm-hmm. giving them a spell, and they were they were playing well in there. So that that really does suck. Um, it sucks because it tells you it's not just easy. It's not next man up, and it's not I'll just get somebody else to come and replace no. him. It's a very tough position. I mean, that's why these guys make so much money in free agency, and that's why so many teams are in desperate need of defensive tackles. So. Yeah, this is already a team that has, and, and I've already kind of 
rallied against this like baseline statistics that like the Giants are bad at stopping the run because they have a couple games where I think they deprioritize stopping the run in favor of something else and that skews their stats. But they're not great at stopping the run. I mean that yeah. just is a fact. We're, so this we're is nine not gonna games help. In now. It's kinda are what you are. And I, yeah. I get your point, but you know, we're getting a lot of games now that we trend- I think they're I think they're bad at stopping the run. I just don't think they're as bad as their numbers show. But this is going to make them as bad as their numbers show, I would think. Yeah, yeah. Lack of depth. These guys have to play more snaps. And we're getting into the, the, the second half and fourth quarter of the season. Yeah, it's going to grind on them. Further bad news. Brian Dable confirmed that Aaron Robinson is very doubtful to return at any point this year. That sucks, too, because I, I, when he initially hurt his knee from coming back from an appendicitis thing. It didn't seem to me that he would be out for the entire year. It was very early too in the season. So um, I was with the emergence of Fabian Moreau on the other side of Adoree Jackson. I really thought if Aaron Robinson come back and play that slot role the way that he can and mm-hmm. play downhill um, and a little bit more grabby where you can get away with that in the middle, um, that this defense would get a huge bump, but I guess not now. Do you feel like the injury bug this year is as bad as usual, or do you feel it's not quite as bad? I mean, the the fact is this roster doesn't have the depth to absorb lots of injuries. It makes it seem probably worse, but it doesn't seem like it's as severely chronic as it was last year or the year before. Of course, I, I have no know, numbers man. in front of me to back that up either way. Yeah. It, does, it doesn't seem as bad. No, I mean, it's literally every draft pick from this year got hurt at some point. Yeah. Except, except, one well and in last year's everybody was out too last year was also like uh it was like everybody but at one position it was like every offensive lineman got hurt yeah every single one so and i mean that truthfully right like but, the but i mean we nick, go nick gates got hurt at center Wait, hang on nick gates got hurt at center at one point well, Shane Lemieux got hurt at left guard, but so did Ben Bredesen at one point, and so did Matt Skura. Andrew Thomas got hurt at left tackle. Matt Pear ended up tearing his uh, ACL at right tackle. I mean, it, literally everyone on the offensive line was hurt last year. It really piled. And then you you add in DJ uh, Bark. Did Barkley get hurt last year? He was coming back. He was coming back, but he wasn't. He the didn't receivers. get hurt last year. Um, All the receivers that got well, hurt Tony, last year. I mean, Tony's Tony's been hurt since he Tony came Galladay. Out. Shepard. Was Galladay hurt last year? I don't think yeah. he was. When? I thought he just wasn't very good. He didn't play 15 games. Maybe not, but I don't I don't think he was like a I don't know, it doesn't matter. This year, I would say it, literally every draft pick, if you count Tony as being part of the team, he missed like the whole year basically. Galladay missed half the year at least. Aaron Robinson, I think this year's just as bad. Yeah. It, it doesn't seem it, but even it, it, Colin Johnson. I mean, it goes back to training camp. Colin Johnson got hurt. That's another reason why we have such shit at wide receivers. Even our depth is hurt. Sterling Shepard tore his ACL walking. Um, well, I guess he played 14 games last year, Galladay. It just didn't seem. I mean, he only had 37 catches, so I guess it just seemed like he wasn't around. Yeah, well, I mean, we didn't even have a quarterback for half the year, so. Yeah, well, that's yeah. I guess the, I guess the. The injuries were, you know, in they were spots. they were a sub story to the fact yeah. that DJ was the one that was hurt, right? Yeah. Um. All right. So is it good? Is it good news time? Please. I mean, all it right. Starts in a couple hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kenny Galladay is aiming to return Sunday. That is just in time for 
the second half of the season. It's, it's right when we traded away Kadarius Tony, so there's a, another void at wide receiver that hopefully gets filled. We're and, and hoping let's, to let's, see something from him. Let's set the record straight. That is good news. That's I mean, huge I know news. People, people hate him, and they think he's a bust and blah, 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 but it is good news that another wide receiver who, on paper, should be our best wide receiver is back. Now, it's up to this coaching staff to find a way to use him and it's up to Kenny Galladay to stay on the field. You know, it's a two way street for this thing. I don't want to hear any more. Well, you know, we're slowly working him back in. We, we have to make some plays for him. It's a coach's job to find a way. This, there's, this wide receiver group is not very good. This passing game needs, a, needs something, a spark. And here's a guy that's clear to play. He's relatively healthy. They got to find some way to get him involved in the offense. And I think they will. And my, my reason for saying this is because it seemed to me that they just kind of shelved Darius Slayton because they were, they just, they didn't like him. He's not their guy. And then when push came to shove and they needed to put somebody out there, they put him out there and, and it, they, it worked. And so he stayed out there. And I think this is now a push comes to shove scenario at wide receiver, especially when you consider that Daniel Bellinger is out at tight end. That's just one more guy that's a possession receiver that's not on the roster for Daniel Jones to throw to. They will find a way to get Kenny Galladay on the field and part of the progression as well. Mm-hmm. I, I That's my prediction. I could be completely wrong. Uh, I've been wrong many times with this coaching staff and their decisions thus far, but that's kind of the way I feel. It, it's, it's field... Because you think about it like Sterling Shepard wasn't their guy either, but they were in on him immediately. I mean, if it's your guy or not your guy, I mean, we got to grow up a little bit. I mean, this is what you have. And it's yeah, but I don't think they did. I don't think they grew up. I think they just were like, no, all right, well, we have, tried everything. Yeah, I'm talking about with Galladay. I mean, it's it's not like we have 11 receivers available and it's just like, well, we're just not using him because we have others and maybe he's not our guy. It's like <laughs> that room is pretty bare and it's it, we, we need him. So they got to find a way to use him. I really hope they do because it's one thing to have a $72 million albatross, but like it is a utility and you're choosing not to use it. It's yeah, exactly. It's and that's stupid. That, I, I know the mantra is, you know, in Shane, we trust in, you know, this coaching staff we trust. But yeah, but it's not, you're not, you're not benching him for like Wandale Robinson where you're like, well, we I, drafted this guy and he's going to be part point. of our vision. Yeah. It's, he's like, just no, benching not, him to bench I'm blindly trusting. If something doesn't make any sense and it's like, no, <laughs> I mean, you got this guy, you need to use him because right now the alternative is we have a bunch of guys who aren't very good receivers out there. David Sills sucks. I, I am so sick of seeing him on the field. Even when he does something right, he manages to do something about it that pisses me off. He'll run backwards or something. Yeah. These are not NFL receivers. Um, this guy is an NFL receiver. Now, say what you want about him being injured. Say what you want if there's an attitude problem. Or his contract. Fit. You can say whatever you want uh, about yeah, all that. But no. that is what it is. Right. But, you know, something we get to this week, this Sunday against Houston – He's available. He's ready to play. He's healthy. Use him. More good news. Three players were designated to return. That gives them a 21-day window. Uh, This all happened on Tuesday. Um, Shane Lemieux, starting left guard, uh, penciled in starting left guard. Uh, Matt Parrott, you know, can't help to have a backup tackle on the roster. And Rodarius Williams, uh, 
press man corner that fits this scheme pretty well. We need depth there pretty badly. Although Nick McLeod has looked pretty good in the, the few times that he's needed to step up and actually play. Um, they, they've gotten the most out of what they have at the DB position. It's pretty astounding, isn't it? Yeah, I, I feel all three of those guys. Now, we just talked about Galladay saying, you know, well, they're working him in. We're trying to figure it out. That's where the case I feel for these three guys. You know, they're coming back from injury. We don't need them to start right away. Let's ease them in. They're, they help with depth right now. More reps, more conditioning. You know, then we could see about Shane Lemieux taking over as a starter. You know, then we could see about, you know, what Matt Pert's real role will be. Um, but now just having more bodies, NFL bodies, will definitely help this team. I want to talk about Matt Pear a little bit because I'm torn on what's going to happen with him here. Because on one hand, you have a guy who is a physical specimen. He has the makeup to be a left tackle, and that includes his athleticism. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, you have a certifiable pussy. I mean, if I, I, who, who, Rob Sale all but said it last year in an interview. He all but said the word. Seriously. He, he was just – he was adamant about it. He's like, you can't teach people to hit people. You know what I mean? Like he was getting frustrated. And, you know, Bobby Johnson comes in here as the O-line coach and he's he's all about this, this dirtbag mentality and, you know, you know rough around the edges kind of like scrappy get-it-done guys and nothing about Matt Parrott says that to me. But on the flip side, Bobby Johnson has also clearly gotten a whole lot out of this offensive line. There hasn't been a huge shakeup in, in like – roster here you know i mean I yeah mean, i mean i guess it's kind of but john feliciano is he really like a major upgrade at center mac Lewinsky is steady at right guard but he's pretty bad pass holders. protector um They're but josh azudu josh azudu is super raw and he doesn't look so bad um you know they got something out of ben bredesen who looked god awful last year well if we're uh, gonna say kenny Dolliday is not their guy and they're probably moving on from him at some point why is matt pert get a, a you know a pass. He's not their guy either. And if he's a pussy, as you know, bought it by the previous coach. Well, because staff, he's not really like a starter. That's why. Right, but there's also it's also a roster spot that can very, very easily be you know, replaced next year with a draft pick. I'd, I'd you almost rather have a draft pick that you can kind of another raw guy that you can develop in something as a guy that's you know will be what is fourth year next year, third, third year. What's the point? I mean, well, I mean, I would say for starters, just so they could at least get a look at him. He's had a torn ACL since they got here, so yeah. But again, so, I mean, but I mean, I, but he he was a raw guy. I mean, because if you don't need to use a draft pick on that, and you've already got it on the roster, it certainly saves you some money. Yeah, I'm either trying to draw parallels to Galladay or just to prove that that's bullshit. I don't, I don't know what it is, <laughs> but no, I'm serious. It's like yeah, you know, there's a double standard because well, you know, both guys have been hurt. Both guys weren't their picks either in the draft or free agency, but we're supposed to already show Kenny Galladay the door and not Matt Pert when Kenny Galladay has a lot more talent than Matt Pert does and has a much bigger role on this team. So you're sure. I, I, trying to find consistencies, I guess, with as you're learning about this coaching staff, he's learning about this front office, what their tendencies are. And that's why I don't think that Matt Pert has a, a future on this team beyond this mm. year. Great stories coming back. He can help with depth this year, but – I'd be very, very surprised if he's back next year. Yo, no doubt. But um, I, I guess Matt Parrott only kind of um, 
It's intriguing because of the injury to Evan Neal. So there is a severe need for depth. So, I mean, that's mm-hmm. the reason it comes up. And what's unfortunate oh. about the Kenny Galladay injury is that we don't really know if he was making strides with the coaching staff or not leading up to that point. He was, um, you know, blocking on the play in which he but, got hurt. But that's the whole thing I just don't – I'm still never going to understand that. It's like why does a guy like Galladay have to make strides with the coaching staff? I mean, he should be QB. He should be wide receiver one. It's like it just doesn't you're... fit what they're trying to do on offense. I know it's not that, fast but I mean, enough or shifty but you know something. But until you have all of your guys, you have to adjust to what you have. And again, he still might be the most talented receiver we have on this roster. And to treat him like he's just an outcast and like or like like a, a rookie, it's like, well, we're we're trying to get him into the playbook. We're trying to figure out what we could do with him. It's like, you know something. You may have an offense that you want to run, and in time you will. But right now, it just, I'm just not going to understand that and accept it, really. But that's a little different than Matt Pert. I mean, Matt Pert is, you know, again, he's a he's a backup on this team. Probably always will be a backup in the NFL. And you know, I don't even if know if he, he's going to be that. If he if he can't hit people, then he's not going to be anything. Yeah, he'll be sitting in he'll, 124 be, with us he, pretty soon. Yeah, he'll be on the New Jersey Generals. Right. Yeah. Um, we got our first look at Daniel Bellinger uh, post-surgery. Uh, people were like, oh, he, he, look, he doesn't look that bad. I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> Dude, he's like a metal plate like under his eye or something like that. He, he looks yeah. like a pirate. He's if like, you're comparing him to the elephant man, he looks great. But you know. <laughs> Yeah, or Carrot Top. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I hope the best for him. He said that he was going. To, there's supposedly a chance that he'll return at this point, at some point this season. Um, he's affixing a visor to his helmet. Um, I don't blame him. I, I appreciate the effort, but you know something. Why don't you just get yourself well, and we'll see you next year. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I'll, I'll say it this way: if if the timetable puts him at around like week 15 to come back, and we go to the playoffs. I won't object to him playing in the playoff game oh, several, several to, weeks later. If he's yeah. ready to, that'd be great. But I, you know, right now he's got like double that. vision, so I'm not really worried about yeah. it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'd rather him be 100% ready to go than you know, rushing. But if he's ready, fantastic. As far as injuries for this week go, Richie James is recovering from the concussion he suffered when he was really busy dropping the ball. Um, <laughs> he is a full participant in practice, so um, he looks like he'll be a go, probably more so on offense than special teams. Um, we got so, Some people were, were back a little bit. Cordell Flott has moved his way to limited. Uh, we can use all the DB help we can get. We can use all the help we can get anywhere, but sure. DBs especially. Uh, O'Shane Ziminis looked like he was limited as well. It's a pretty safe bet that Evan Neal is not going to play again. He's probably going to be a couple more weeks. I would say after Detroit is when we can really start expecting Evan Neal. And, you know, coaching staffs are not fans. They're not saying, well, it's just Houston. We can rest another week because it's just Houston. Coaches don't think like that. You know, every NFL team is a challenge and difficult. And... You know, they're not resting guys just because of the opponent. If they're ready to play, they'll play. If they're not ready to play, they're not. Um, and I don't think this team is ready to look past anybody. They're not good enough for that. I mean, no. just in general, forget the coaching staff. I mean, th- this team is just not good enough to look past even a one-win team like Houston. Uh, they're a one-win team, right? 
They're one six and one or something like that. I believe so. One I mean, seven and one. This is a good test for the Giants. You know, to say is a team arrived or is a team you know for real or whatever you know phrase you want to use, it's not. You know, can you go and beat Philly? It's can you win the games you're supposed to win? And this is the first time in a long time the Giants are playing a game they're supposed to win. This isn't even going to Jacksonville on the road. This is being at home after a bye week, a bad team that's looking at the draft next year. You need to win this game. And that's when you start to say, okay, this team is halfway decent. This team is quote unquote for real. So go get it done. So speaking of Houston, before we get to the guy that we both want to talk about, Mm. give me your thoughts on Davis Mills. I mean, I... He's a placeholder. But right? is he a bad one? They're one in seven. <laughs> I mean, I know it's not a it's a bad roster and everything, but you know, I is he a guy that's starting on a team that isn't one in seven? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I'd say no. What's Russell Wilson's record right now, man? What's yeah, what's well, he cooking? Russell Wilson, we think is kind of cooked too. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, is he better than, like, Taylor Heineke? Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, what what do you think of Taylor Heineke or Kyle Allen? Guys who were scrappy enough for Washington to get to the playoffs in a bad division. I think they're fringy starters. I think they're excellent backups, guys you'd like. Like, if we had Tyler Heineke or we had uh, Davis Mills is our quarterback last year. I don't think the season would have spiraled completely out of control like it did. Not at all. Yeah, I mean, like, this is not Jake Fromm. Exactly. And this isn't Mike Glennon. This isn't, you know, I know there was a lot of other problems with this team, but these are capable backups that could start. They could start on bad teams. Like, right now, Davis Mills is starting on a bad team. In a best-case scenario, they can hold the fort down and have a, a team in a bad division sniff the playoffs. So I think that's kind of what he is. And I think, you know, having a quarterback like this, you can kind of see what it's good for a team like Houston. We know they're terrible. We know their roster is bad, but you have a quarterback who's functional. So you can kind of start to evaluate some of the talent you have on your team to make some decisions in the off season. If you're keeping people or launching them like last year, the season got so out of control for the giants. You can even make those decisions. It was like so bad. And so, you know, how do we survive this series? I mean, we're, we're we're kneeling on second down, things like that. At least with a guy like him, you can kind of see, you know, are any of our receivers worth half a shit? Is any guy in this offensive line, you know, halfway decent? He's, he can execute an offense. I wouldn't, you know, pencil him in to go to a Pro Bowl anytime soon or if I'm a free agent looking for free agent quarterback. Like, let's put it this way. If for some reason we part ways with um, Daniel Jones. Would you bring him in to be the replacement? Would I bring in Davis Mills to be the starter? Yes. Probably not, no. Yeah. But I do think Davis Mills is a quality backup. I do I think that if he if he were a guy that had to come in and win you two out of three games, he could probably do that. He could probably game plan a way to do that, which means he's not to be taken lightly, like I said, with this team. Not to be... I mean... This is a team that has Philip Dorsett and Brandon Cooks. That's two guys that can legitimately stretch the field. Seriously. So, you know, 
this the fact that Xavier McKinney is not going to be playing deep safety in this game is a big fucking deal. It's sure. not it's not to be t- I mean they have some speedy DBs they can put down there. I know a lot of people keep mentioning Jason Pinnock who was, you know, uh, very very fast safety and at I think at time for the Jets last year and in preseason was in this single high safety role that may be you know I don't know um but that doesn't make me really feel that great Jason no. Pinnock back there uh because it's not just about speed it's about being the deepest man and making sure that you're watching what's in front of you and understanding what you're what you're seeing in front of you uh, and reacting to it and quickly and fighting on things and not exactly. being in position yeah, and just because it's Davis Mills back there does not mean shit. He can air it out if he needs to. That being said, I, I do think that Wink is going to try his best to confuse the ever living shit out of him. Of course, uh, because he yeah. he he's he is a young quarterback that's trying to figure shit out on a bad team and throwing to bad players with bad protection in front of him, and you know, mm-hmm. is likely to do. He did some dumb shit against the Eagles. Um, yeah, Davis Mills to me not to be taken lightly. Uh, I know it's easy to clown on a guy like that, but I, I see a little bit of that quality backup in him. Uh, he would set the USFL on fire. Let's say that. Yeah, way. but the problem is, you know, now you're at a backup in week ten, and this is past the shelf life of what a good backup should be. Sure. You now are um, starting, and that yeah, sense. yeah. That brings us to the guy we both want to talk about. Um, Damian Pierce was. By far the most the, – the running back that stood out to me the most of the Senior Bowl, he jumped way up my list of running backs in this uh, upcoming draft. was not number one. Uh, I think I had Kenneth Walker as one and uh, Brees Hall as two or maybe the other way around. But Kenneth Walker has been pretty good too. They, uh, Brees Hall got hurt. but uh, Yeah, but Kenneth Walker has been pretty good. I, he's been damn good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Damian Pierce, I mean, is a complete three-down running back with legit pass blocking skills, pass catching skills, running skills, and he's got tread on the tires. He was a really, really good draft pick. If you want he was a luxury pick for us, but I was just like, oh, I just so wish that this dude becomes a giant. It's not going to happen, and it didn't happen. Um, and I mean, he, I think people is he the front runner for offensive rookie of the year? I would think so. And if you're watching this on YouTube now. You are seeing my face getting red and my blood's starting to boil right now. <laughs> I think I quote tweeted you in him like running. He just trucked some Philadelphia safety last week. And I think I quote tweeted it and, and whatever, added, mentioned you and called Dan Mullen a uh, war criminal. Yeah. Dan, why am I pissed, you may be asking? Why is my face red right now? Why do I want to curse as much as Grump does? It's because – Last year at Florida, he had 100 carries in 13 games. He had 13 touchdowns in those 100 carries. He was part of this idiotic rotation. And again, the Gators had a pretty good running back room. They had Malik Davis. They had Lorenzo Lingard, Demarcus Bowman. And these are five-star guys that may or may not panned out. But Damian Pierce was clearly the best running back of the bunch. And for some reason, you know, Dan Mullen in his, you know, seniority focus decided he shouldn't be running the ball as your every down back. He didn't have Anthony Davis, uh, Anthony Richardson as his quarterback. And that's why Dan Mullen now is on ESPN five doing the 11 AM game on ESPN. Um, you're right about not having tried on the tires. He's 
not nearly used as much as he should have been. So now he's fresh. He's got fresh legs, and you're seeing it. He's actually, you know, I knew he was a good running back, was clamoring for him to play more last year, and he's actually impressed me more than I thought. And again, playing on the Texans, not like he's behind the the, the seven blocks of granite for uh, an offensive line either. So, you know, but the Giants this year, to their credit, they have faced really good running games this season, you know, really good running backs. Uh, you know, Derrick Henry, the Chicago Bears, for all their running success they've had, they've done a pretty decent job. And if you don't have that quarterback, you don't have that prolific passing game, I think this defense will do a reasonable job on him and and and, and contain him. So that's the thing. You know, when, when I say the Giants aren't good at stopping the run, I think that it, it's one thing that Wink Martindale really truly believes in is stopping the run. But I don't think he necessarily means stopping a running back. I think he means stopping the biggest running threat, which sometimes is Lamar Jackson, which sometimes is Justin Fields. You know what I mean? So there are times when a running back may run all over us, but the worst running threat has been neutralized. And they'll take um, that, yeah. Yeah, in this game, it's going to be Damian Pierce, and they must know that. The The offense runs through Damian Pierce for Houston right now and the play action from there. Um, so I know that Nick Williams is out. I know that was like a whole part of the intro and like whatever, but I, I just have a hard time thinking that Wink Martindale is going to not have a game plan to neutralize Damian Pierce. He's not that good. You know what I mean? He's not. He's not like... He's that guy who's just going to see a hole, hit it at a hard speed, and just lower the shoulder and keep chugging, and he'll do it all game and wear you down. But he's not a Christian McCaffrey where it's like you need to allocate like 11 guys to stop him. This is more just like you can't let him get first downs. And The other thing also is that you know, with the Giants running game being so well, I feel they can have – you know, they can crush this team on time of possession. And, you know, limit the amount of time that Damian Pierce is even on the field and wear their defense down. So it's not what I'm not concerned about them potentially having the ball for 40 minutes and wearing our defense down. Because I think, well, we'll do a pretty good job of controlling, you know, the line of scrimmage and controlling time possession on our side, too. We have more weapons than they do. Boom. And here we are at the 40 minute mark. And it's time to go into that game plan. I agree with you. Um, I think. The Giants, this might be a boring game. I think this this game might yeah. not be that. I mean, it might be exciting with some big runs, whatever, but I think it's going to go fast, and I think it's going to be a time of possession kind of thing. I think the game plan is going to be to stuff it down their throats. The middle of the Houston defense sucks. I mean, this mm-hmm. team isn't very good, but they. I think they're dead last in run defense, uh, but it really shows. And they, they keep sitting back in that Tampa 2 shit, which you can't – if you can't stop the run, you can't really – do that i don't love you smith whatever who am i to judge he's whatever but you know this is going to be a saquon barkley game i think they're going to try their best to uh neutralize him i would like to see you know i know we spell barkley with brita because he's the fast guy and the twitchy guy i might like to see gary brightwell as the change of pace in this one to just kind of give you a north and south right up the middle run as hard as you can change of pace i don't know that they're going to do that or Maybe maybe I don't even think they're going to do that, but I, I would like to try it. I think that would work really well. And then just hit you with the play action off of that. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of Danny boots because I think they're going to try and protect the edges. Um, I don't know. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing. I just think this is going to be a very – I think it's going to be a very heavy Barkley game. 
I think this might this might be the game where, you know, if you want to, you know, like when the Oscars, they always have a little clip. Like here's a clip of the scene of the movie where I'm submitting it to the Academy to win this for best actor, you know, for your yeah. consideration. Mm-hmm. This might this might be the game that Saquon Barkley submits to the writers for for your submission for comeback player of the year, you know, whatever other accolades he can get, you know, from the running back position. I think he's going to have a monster game. I, I, I think 150 yards rushing, you know, Ooh. again, a, a, a soft interior, you know, try to overcompensate for that. That's when he can bounce outside. Um, but patience with Barkley. I mean, if, you know, the first series or two, there's nothing there. You don't, you, you stay committed to him. I mean, he's going to, I think he's going to have a lot of rushes. Last, a lot of attempts, but big yardage, 150 or so. It's a pretty bold posi- p- prediction there. 150 rushing yards. All right, give me give me your score prediction then. You know, I, I said it before that this is one of those games where the Giants have to, they have to win to prove, you know, the first half wasn't a fluke. This team is going somewhere, right direction. Blah 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 blah. I think they will do that. I think this Houston team. You know, it's not good. You know, they have a star in Damian Pierce. They have a quarterback who's serviceable. I guess that's being polite, but, you know, not going to Canton anytime soon unless he's buying a ticket to the exhibits. Uh, I think the Giants actually win this one rather convincingly. Um, I think they, like I said, they're going to, you know, kind of own time possession. I think by early fourth quarter, they're going to wear Houston down have like a nice long seven minute drive, maybe start the fourth quarter ice a game. That's kind of close, but not ever in doubt giants win by like 17 points. Let's go 28, 10. Yeah. I kind of feel a little bit the same way. I think this is one that will be, close early on and then they'll kind of pull away i think by like the second quarter you're gonna see the giants right before halftime maybe pull away by like a maybe by 10 points they'll have the lead at halftime and then third first of all that the, the second half for the giants has always been very very good for them so if they have yes. a 10 point lead by halftime i think this game ends up something like 26 13 i think that houston might get a touchdown here some at some point i don't know if it's early or if it's late but it's going to be mostly field goals for them. Yeah, I feel like – I don't feel like – it's going to be close, but I don't feel like it's because it's like an evenly played game. I think it's something where the Giants kind of playing a little rope-a-dope or something. They're, they're going to stay committed to running the ball, stay yeah. committed to pounding it. So th- that doesn't necessarily mean that they're playing as, you know pound for pound, toe-to-toe. But like we're not trying to do things outside of what our game plan is. And the game plan is to get to the fourth quarter and – wear them out type of thing on a, on a flip flip note uh, um mike kafka did say that uh they had identified some stuff when reviewing their film work that can get them off to a faster start i wonder if they save that shit for a different game or if they just go right into it well like i said before i don't think you look ahead past any team i think no i'm not i'm not saying to look ahead it's so much as it is to um i guess not put it on film yet does that make sense it's not about winning this game. It's it's about saving what they saw for an, 
uh, a game they expect to be a little bit closer because it, it hasn't been on film yet. To me, if there's a problem, that this team has had a problem in the first quarter, first couple of drives, that needs to be corrected because if you're giving away drives and quarters, you're shortening a game. And when you shorten a game, you're letting the less talented team give them a better chance to win. And I don't think they want to play that game anymore. I think they want to get off to faster starts. If you're playing a team like Houston, knock them out early and don't worry about that potential they can lose that game. You know, the fluke play means more than it, than it would if the game is, you know, you're up by 10, 13, 17 early on. So I think if they, they've identified things, I think they implement it now. You know, season starts now. Yeah. All right, so let's bring it around the NFC East. They only got two one two games to talk about here. Dallas at Green Bay. I'm going to go Green Bay for this game. Are you going Green Bay because this league is so wonky and we can't predict anything anymore or something bigger? I wouldn't say bigger, but I think Dallas hasn't really been fantastic. Um, like, I expected when Dak came back for them to be like – hitting the ground running and they kind of faltered and then they they you know you said you know i think they knocked that rust off and then i don't know did they really i think they've had some slow starts but i think they know they've scored a bunch of points and i think they're fine i don't think that they're not fine but i also think that green bay's struggles and shit i, I don't want to say they're overblown because that's not correct um but I don't know. I, I just wonder how long it's going to go on for. I mean, does Green Bay really just spiral totally out of control? My guess is yes. I think that someone like Aaron Rodgers who, you know, complained about this team when times are good, <laughs> now that times are bad, I, I could see him very easily checked out for this team and, you know, demanding a trade or something in the offseason or, or something to, you know, make himself relevant in the news cycle. Um, so you're going Dallas? I'm going Dallas. I think uh, this is – Dallas's defense I don't think is the defense where Green Bay gets right all of a sudden. I mm, think Dallas – That's a good point. Uh, I think Dallas rolls. Um, Washington at Philly. Uh, Washington is picking up the pace a little bit here. Philly struggling a little bit. I, mean, I know they haven't lost, so to say that they're struggling in any capacity is a little silly, but – they didn't really dominate Houston last week. I know it was a yeah. Thursday night game and things are weird, but they did not dominate Houston last week. That is just it, that game was a lot closer than the score even indicated. That really just fell apart in the last couple of minutes for Houston. Um, that being said, this is still Philly for me. Oh yeah, totally. Um, again, Washington's been playing better. I still think they stink, and if Philly is not at a hundred percent of, you know, if they, what they showed early in their season, a hundred percent right now, they're at 90%. And that's way better than beating a team. that's 30% in Washington. And this college weekend, Saturday, it's supposed to be a rainy piece of shit. This whole East coast. I don't know about the rest of the place, but I'm going to be watching a game that is based in Texas. TCU in Texas is going to be my matchup for the week. Um, and it's partly because TCU wide receiver Quentin Johnson is everybody's eyes, but he may not play a whole bunch. He's been dealing with an injury. So I'm going to kind of watch him. I'm going to obviously watch Texas has a huge rotation of running backs, not the least of which is Bijan Robinson. 
But TCU has this cornerback, uh, Travius Hodges Tomlinson, uh, who's like freakishly athletic. His biggest knock is that he's only 5'9". So that's something that I'd, I guess I would have to see his freakish athleticism with my own eyes. So that is my game of the weekend. You watching Florida or you got something else? I have a doubleheader weekend. I am flying down tomorrow, well, today, if you're listening to this, to Gainesville for the Florida-South Carolina game. 6 a.m. flight Sunday morning from Gainesville to Newark. Mr. Grump will be graciously picking me up at Newark Airport, and we're heading over to the Meadowlands for the doubleheader. So I, my eyes will be on um, Florida-South Carolina, two teams that are not very good. Spencer <laughs> Rattler was, you know, a year and a half ago was a Heisman contender. He's a school removed from Oklahoma mm-hmm. and is not very good. So hopefully not, we can uh, – the I'll, we win I'll on only, Saturday. We're bowl I'm eligible. O- that's, I'm only picking you up on Sunday if your plane leaves on time, man. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> you, you are 0 for 1 on those so far this year. That's true. I have a backup plan in case we uh, we are late. And hurricanes will not help my situation. Yeah, that's true. Shit. Well, by Sunday you should be all right, right? I would think so. All right. Well, by Sunday you should be all right. By Sunday the Giants should be all right. And by Monday morning we will be on a victory Monday. And by Tuesday morning you will have our newest episode reviewing that game in which the Giants move on to 7-2 and two, as we both predicted. And that, of course, is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and YouTube. And... Um, you can follow us on Twitter in the interim if you can't wait until Tuesday morning. I'm at football underscore grump, and he is at the cranky fan. Until then, go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants.